Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, and happy day after for those of you way up in the northeast. And I hope you still have power. I know a lot of people lost power after that storm. Uh, Nemo, I think it wasn't as bad as they thought it was going to be, so that was the good news. We got about five inches, as I was telling our guests in uh, Philadelphia yesterday, but it was nothing like what uh, I don't think they had anticipated. I don't know what it's like in Boston, but the snow was a little light and fluffy. It wasn't as heavy as they thought it would be, I don't think. So anyway, happy happy Saturday to you guys uh, the day after that storm. It's our second storm since Hurricane um, Sandy. So welcome, welcome to Blog Talk Radio's Off the Shelf for this Saturday. And the sun is out, busy melting the snow and the icicles off the rooftops for this Saturday, February the 9th, and we, we're headed toward Valentine's Day. That's next next Thursday. So happy early Valentine's Day to all of our off-the-shelf listeners as well. I, I always thank our loyal listeners. My goodness, we are going to on heading toward 10 years on the air now. It's just amazing to me. It's just amazing. And, our, and the numbers of people who listen to us continue to grow. And I always encourage you to let your family, your friends, your colleagues, everybody you know to tune into Off the Shelf. One hour of of entertainment. You're going to learn a lot, inspiration, motivation, you name it, here at Off the Shelf from 11 to 12 Eastern Standard Time on Saturday mornings. For those, it's your first time tuning into Off the Shelf. I want to introduce myself to you. I'm your host, Denise Turner, and I always say I'm coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. And again, I thank you for your support, and please don't let this day pass before you pick up a copy of Love Pour Over Me. You get mystery, romance, friendship, high chase scenes, and loads of entertainment and thought-provoking and deeply emotional love for over me is a powerfully moving book, and I do mean it is that you need to add to your book collection. You can pick up a copy of Love for Over Me today at Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, Google Books, iTunes. is available in print and in ebook format. If you don't see it on the bookstore shelves, just ask the clerk for it, and they can order it for you because Love for Over Me is carried by the largest book distributors in the world so please make a point to go get a copy of love pour over me i think it will really really impact your life and now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest our guest today is melissa ann melissa is the author of the book the blood done signed my name and i love that title welcome to off the shelf melissa Good morning, and thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to be part of this awesome, awesome broadcast today. And and we want to thank you for taking time out of your day. Melissa, we were talking before the show for our listeners, uh, before the show launched. She's in Delaware, and she said they didn't get much snow yesterday, which I was surprised because that's our neighbor's state. Yay! (laughs) You said you were glad that you didn't get a lot of – because sometimes you guys get a lot of snow, and we don't get a lot of snow. But I want to to begin today's show by asking you – what inspired you to become a writer? What inspired me to become a writer? Well, um, initially, Denise, I really, really didn't think that I was going to be an actual writer. I mean, I wrote for work. You know, I've always loved to write, and I always call it a hidden love, something I always loved to do, but never really thought that it would turn into, you know, something that I would do professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, after being um, released, 
um, as part of a, you know, a nation, well, a company-wide, I should say, um, downsizing, mm-hmm. uh, decided that, okay, well, what am I going to do? And I wanted to go back right back into corporate America and do my thing. And at that time, I was getting, my relationship with Jesus Christ was becoming more and more, um, I was drawing nigh to him, drawing closer to him. And as a result, his word says, if you draw nigh to him, he will, in fact, draw nigh to you. And we were becoming so close. And I'm like, okay, God, you're going to lead me. What do I need to do? Do I need to go back into corporate America? What am I going to do? Because, you know, I like to buy my clothes. I want to buy my shoes. I like to have my own cash to do what I want to do with. Mm-hmm. And he um, began to um, just tell me, by way of, you know, uh, I guess I would say visions, I would say dreams. Uh, he would, memories began to emer- reemerge, and I began to remember things from my childhood and from things growing up in the church and people that I knew and conversations that I've had. And um, he says, I want you to write for me. Um, there has been a kind of a, a mass exodus from people from the church, at, uh, and uh, people have not been seeing the real, real me, and I want them to know who I am. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> you know, how can I do that? And um, the actual visions, the actual dreams, the actual things that he was showing me and bringing to my remembrance um, were things that he wanted me to write about. Um, and I began to write my first book called uh, Awesome Wonder, The Gift of Remembrance. And it essentially talks about the hypocrisy that's found in church and how um, the body of Christ needs to start walking the walk instead of just talking the talk. And it centers around a young lady who basically dealt with a lot of hypocrisy in her family and in her life and how she turned away from Christ, just as many have turned away from Christ because of all the craziness that they see in the world and think that this is a true representation of Christ, when in fact it is not. So Mm -hmm. to answer your question, Denise, Christ really inspired me. The closer I got to him, the more I was able to hear his voice. And when you hear his voice, he's going to tell you exactly what to do and how to go about getting it done. So uh, it was Jesus Christ. It was truly Jesus Christ. Thank God for the Holy Spirit because I was on my way back to corporate America, but he said, no, you're going to write for me and you're going to tell the world about me. Wow. Now, now what what were you doing? You said you wrote in your corporate job. Were you a journalist? What type of writing were you doing? Because you said you were writing before. I did a lot of marketing. Um, I was in... um, I was in national sales, so oh, okay. So in order for me to re- to grasp the actual client, and part of my job was communication. So what I would have to do is make um, communications information for the client uh, to disseminate to their employees. I was basically in benefit, and I do um, benefit consulting now, but that's kind of my you know kind of my part time gig. Whereas writing now is my my real thing. That's my real um, focus. But yeah, I did a lot of writing. I did a lot of communication. So a lot of the things that I basically prepared myself for with regard to college, although I didn't think I was using it or I think I didn't wouldn't use it, I used it a great deal. So what was your major in college, and how do you use what you learned in the corporate world? Because one thing I find is, for myself, I can't speak for others, is the things that happened to me, experiences I had in the past, mm-hmm. There, There is something there that I have been able to, different experiences, reach back and get something out of to help oh, yeah. me in my present state. What did you What did you learn from when you were, wrote in corporate America, whether it's how you market your own books, that's helping you today, and what did you major in when you were in college? I majored in communications with the uh, concentration in broadcast, broadcast journalism. So, okay. Um, 
all of the things as far as writing, it's really it's really coming full circle. And I, you know how God God is like, okay, you know, you think you have your plans, I got plans for you, darling. And so I'm using a lot of uh, my writing, a lot of um, more so now more than ever, Denise. To be honest with you, I'm using a lot of my communicate my verbal communication skills because I've been asked to speak at various different places. Ah. And you asked me to, you asked me to talk about. Um, health insurance benefits, I could talk your ear off. I could engage the actual audience. I learned my audience. And now that I'm talking about Jesus Christ, he said, you know me better than anything. I live inside of you. So you should be able to speak with more fervor and more knowledge about me than anything that you ever spoke about in your corporate America experience. So I'm using that confidence that I had um, in corporate America. It's, it's like double because I know exactly who I am in Christ so I can speak not only with the intelligence, but I can also speak with the fervor of the Holy Spirit. So those two combined together is just an awesome, awesome way to reach people, to impact people, to let them know exactly who Jesus Christ is in the earth. So he, it's just awesome how God just turns things around and makes it to glorify him. Everything that I've done in my life, have brought me to this place right now. And I just can't help but thank God for everything that he's brought me through. Yeah, and that's what I was saying before. You know, when you look back, you see how, well, when you're in something, you don't see how it's going to connect with a future event. And then, right. you know, the choices we make can take it one way or the other. And then there's, there's, of course, our perception about things, and we all have perception, and perception isn't truth. But and we swear that our perception is right, <laughs> and then we learn later learn that it's not right. So there's just so many so many things involved, you know, in our lives. But um, I wanted to ask you when you got downsized. Were you a part of that 2007 2008 re- recession? And you said immediately you thought I'm going back uh, uh, into the corporate world. I want to ask when you got. When what year was it you got downsized, and then what year did you start writing on Awesome Wonders, and what year was it published? I um, got downsized in fall of two thousand six, so it was right at the oh, right at the oh wow, that was right yeah. before the um it was right before um right okay. before everything um, started happening in two thousand seven. So yeah, um, and then I was kind of in a funk for about a month or not, about a month. Not two months, I would say. I was in a funk of, you know, not really sure exactly what to do. And I knew that I had to go back to corporate. I mean, I felt like that was what I had to do. Right. And thank God for the Holy Spirit. He was like, no, 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 no. Chill. I got you. I know what you're going to do. Wow. So about two months later, that's when the actual visions came and the dreams and all the different stories began to get come in my mind and how I was like going to be able to write it. I'm like, God, I don't have a publisher. I don't know what to do. I don't know how the first thing to go about it. And what did I tell you? What did you go to school for? You utilize the, the, you know, your intellect and go and find out how to go about getting this done. And I was still kind of sitting on my hands, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I was communicating with my husband. I'm like, well, what should I do? You know how I like to, you know, do my own thing. He said, well, Melissa, if God's told you to write, then you need to just, just to write, and he's going right. to give you everything you need. He, he promised he gives you everything that you need according to life and godliness, so just go ahead and just do it. So once he gave me, you know, once, sometimes when you, when, especially the, the most important person in your life, once they give you the nod, you're like, okay, now I got him. Yeah. Me. I can do this, you know, and it, that's really buoyed my resolve to go ahead and just say, okay, I can do this. 
and then, you know, Christ is always speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is always speaking to you. I got you. You can do it. You can do it. So it took me about four to five months to write my first book, which is crazy because everything just started flowing. Once I said, okay, once you say yes to God, everything just starts to flow. Wow. Once you start leaning on, if you lean not to your own understanding and seek the kingdom of God, everything else falls into place. And so I began to write, and it took me about five months to write my first novel, Awesome Wonder. Um, it took me about another, I would say, oh, I guess three to four months to find a publisher um, that I had to, I did not pay a dime for. I said, God, I don't have any money, so you're going to have to get this publisher, and they're going to not ask for anything. And that's what happened. And I said, God, to, to God be the glory. And my book was published in October of 2007. Wow, that was fairly quickly. Yeah, I wanted to just to see the history, the trail of it. So, oh six, the fall of oh six, you were laid off, and then about maybe four months later, you started writing on Awesome One as the Gift of Remembrance, and then you said it was published in late. So, about a year. That 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 is that is um, that's a, that's amazing. And then uh, I, I know a lot of authors are prolific. So, I want to talk about your next book. If you could just give our off the shelf listeners an overview of the blood done signed my name. Okay, um, The Blood Down Side, my name, is, is set in the present day, and it just chronicles a woman's desire for redemption. Um, it provides biblical references that substantiate the power of the blood by sharing the story of Honey Lamb. It exemplifies the truth of God's love, his forgiveness, and his power. Um, Honey Lamb, the story is crazy. Her Her life is one of demoralizing circumstances. She questions why she is, who she is. And as a result of the things that have happened to her and things that she experienced, she makes a very, very bad decision. Mm. And it's a life-altering mistake because of her past. And what she finds out is that this past, this history, this lineage, these generational issues, these things that have been done to her does not dictate who she's going to be. This does not dictate her destiny. But the question now becomes, will she accept what God has already given to her? Many people that will come to, to come to her throughout the book, but will she accept what God has given to her, or will she shun the invitation of salvation and allow her family carnal legacy to continue to the next generation? Or will she understand that Jesus' blood redeemed us from a self-defeating existing? We consistently find ourselves feeling defeated, but we don't have to be defeated when it comes to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He became the useful inheritance for us, while at the same time Jesus Christ eradicated our issues forever, giving us a blood transfusion, a spiritual one, that will change us all. So the blood that's inside my name is a story of basically coming home. Okay, now is uh, now when you when you're talking about the blood and sign my name up, that's a work of fiction, and and it's awesome wonders also a work of fiction. All of my books are Christian fiction. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so awesome wonders. Okay, I thought that was nonfiction, but so so all your books are are a work of fiction. I know the for our, our off the shelf listeners for the blood and sign my name, the the story's prologue begins in 1918 in Italy. Why did yeah. you open the book in the early 1900s? Are you fascinated with that time period? Are you fascinated with Italy? Do you have any connections in your own past to Italy? Why did you pick that time period in, in Italy? I picked the time frame because I wanted the reader to have a sense of reference. 
to where it all began, where things all began. And also, I love history. I love World War. I love studying about the World Wars, World War One, World War Two. I love the Civil War. I love. I just love history. But and, and because I love history, and because we all have a history, I want people to understand. There's always a beginning of where stuff started, where something mm-hmm. began. What's the seed? What was planted that caused all the havoc in Honey Lamb's life? So that's where. That's why I started back there. Because what happened in Italy basically tells tells the story or begins the story of what Honey Lamb basically has to deal with and what she needs to stop in its tracks before it goes on to any other generation. Have you yourself ever been to Italy? That's a place I, I, love, I would love to visit. I have not. I have not been abroad, and I would love to go to Africa first, then 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 maybe Europe. But I do want to go to Africa. Don't okay. know where. But I do want to visit that. I want to visit that continent. Okay. Who Who is Mason? Can you introduce our listeners to Mason? Mason is Honey Lamb's husband. He is a wonderful. I love his character. He is a, a very, very forgiving, um, very honest, and very real African American man. Who lo- okay. he loves his wife. He really loves his wife. But just like a lot of African-American men, they try to fix things on their own without allowing God to direct him. And as, and as soon as we allow men, allow God to to be first, have the heart of God, then, then, he'll be, then the man will be able to understand how to love his wife. Now, how long have Mason and the uh, – uh, can you give us the uh, – is it, is it, it the, the main character in the book? How long have they been married? Now, we know at the start of the story that she's not even born yet because the prologue starts out in 1918. But how long have they been married? Uh, and how would you describe their marriage at the start of the story? I would describe them as just being totally, totally in love with each other, just loving each other, the ecstasy point of um, the different phases of, of marriage. So, so are, they, are they early in their marriage? They are early in their marriage. Okay. They're not newlyweds, but they're, but they're still early, and they still look at each other. They still look at each other in the eyes. It's still, you know, the love and the cuddling and every everything. It's just a, the, the the novelty of just having someone to love consistently on a day to day basis, wanting to just do for that person. And but there's still the secrets that have not come out yet. You still haven't learned a hundred percent about your mate, but you are still enamored with that person to the point where you would just do anything for that person. Now, can you tell us about Miss Sadie and the influence she has on Mason? Miss Sadie um, is just a grandmotherly or auntie-like person. And the influence that she has on Mason is the same influence that she would have on anyone. She will love you, just love on you. She just will love on you and she will speak to you um, and just try to direct you in the right path. She's not going to try to control you or to make you do things, but she's going to exemplify the love of Christ. And because she exemplifies the love of Christ, it's going to kind of come across as just someone just giving you an um, embrace, just someone that's going to direct you and just teach you and just show you things, not so much tell you or to browbeat you, but show you the love and how to exhibit that love on your own. So... And she also she becomes close to Mason, kind of behind the scenes. So that's kind of like hit the mother that he really never really had. 
So she's an older woman, maybe like in her 50s or 60s. I'm trying to take the scene for our off-the-shelf listeners. Mason and his wife are, what, in their 30s, and this woman is maybe, what, in her 50s or 60s? Uh, I would say they maybe might be her late 60s. Okay. Late 60s, yeah, late 60s, probably early 70s. She's in that area because she has a lot of history. She knows a lot, and she's been around for a very long time. Now, can you tell us the name of the book's main character? And for our off-the-shelf listeners, we're, we're speaking with Melissa Ann, and we're talking about her her novel, The Blood Done Sign My Name. Can you tell us the main character's name? And can you describe this character for our listeners so they'll want to know more about her? What makes her so compelling? Okay, well, um, let's see. Honey Lamb is the main character of The Blood Done Sign My Name. And I'll just give you some of the some of the kind of raw information about her. Um, she's an attractive woman in her mid-30s. She, one would even call her, she is a survivor. She's an intelligent, college-educated woman. She worked her way through college, but this woman has secrets. She is the descendant of, a tra- of tragedy and heartbreak and has decided definitively at this point, at the beginning of the book, that it is, in fact, her destiny. Um, although finding a semblance of freedom from, from after escaping her mom, who was a very, very big part of her life, you know, she she still has self-hatred issues because of her mother. No, okay, so, so now tell us, and I don't want to interrupt because I want to learn more about Honey Lamb and I want off-the-shelf listeners to know more about her. But sure. what, what, why is her mother abusive? Why is she trying to escape her mother? And is Honey Lamb her only child? Honey Lamb is, in fact, um, as far as she knows at the beginning of the book, she's an only child. Okay. Now, I don't want to give away a lot of the story. So right. as far as she knows that she she's an only child, she um, she and her mother have a very, very strained relationship because her mother was abusive physically, and also her mother allowed people to to her mother put her in situations where she could have been abused. And again, and I want to give a lot of the story away, but her mother was very, very selfish. Her mother was wanted to have her own life, and she blamed Honey for even being born because Honey was an ap- obstacle. You know, her mother, mother was doing what she wanted to do. Right. Her mother felt as though. Honey was an obstacle. She could not live the life she wanted to live. She could not have the fun that she wanted to have because Honey was there. Okay. Okay. So, so, so she's in her mid thirties. She's um, is she? She's a professional woman. She's married to Mason. They have a wonderful marriage at the start of the story. She thinks she's an only child. No, they, they don't have a. No, I don't want to tell you that they have a wonderful marriage at the start of the story. They are married. But I'm not going to say they have a wonderful marriage because when you read the book, you'll see that although Honey loves her husband very much, and just like a lot of people, we love who we love, but certain things are keeping us from truly, truly, truly exposing ourselves to that person. Uh, and as a result, there are issues. Okay. Why is Honey Lamb? Running from a calling on her life, and I gotta ask you, where did you come up with that name, Honey Lamb, for your character? Um, well, Honey's not so much running from a calling on her life. She's not running from a calling on her life. She's running from um, the, the, her situation, her 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 legacy. Her 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 life is crazy. She's a, a descendant of 
bad decisions, of murder, of molestation, of all kinds of craziness. And her mother is a total embodiment of everything that I just mentioned. Her mother is everything that she is trying to get away from because she does not want to be like her mother. Mm. She's afraid that if she is, she's number one around her mother, she will become her mother, and as a result, she will live the horrible life that her mother is destined to live. Wow. You can only wonder how many of us, male and female, <laughs> feel that um, about our parents or somebody in, in our own family. How did you come up with her name? Honey, Honey Lane. I don't know. You know, Denise, I do not know how that name came about, but as soon as it, uh, and I'm I'm really, really weird. When I'm in the shower, I get my premises, and I'm like, okay, guy, I need to I need to give this girl a name. I got what you want me to say, kind of what you want me to write about, but I need a name. I need a name that's going to make an impact. I need a name. I need a name. And so I was um I was thinking about something, and then I thought of the name. I don't know, sweet. She's a sweet. So I thought of I don't want, I didn't want to name anybody Candy. I mean that sounds like yeah. So Honey came to mind. I'm like, okay, guys, that's good. I like that name, Honey, because of her. Honey has eyes. Her eyes, and it's very very prevalent in the story. Her eyes are the color of Honey as well. Oh. Okay. Um, and also the last name Hun- Lamb came together. Honey Lamb. It just it just flowed. Honey Lamb. And it means sweet sacrifice. And Jesus oh, Christ. Okay. Very interesting. I'm, I'm glad yeah. I asked you that. Very interesting. Now, why did you decide to write The Blood Doesn't Find My Name in First Person? And before you answer, I asked that question because I've, I've, you know, tried to write stories, novels in first person. And my editor would come back and say, you know, you can't do this or that in the story because. It, it all has to come through the character's eyes. You cannot talk about something that's happening in another city with her grandmother or so-and-so she, if she's not there. You, the first person makes, I think it, the reader can get a lot closer to the character with first person, but it's limited in that you can't talk about what's happening to somebody else. It all has to happen through the eyes of the character. So I wanted to ask you, that's challenging to write in first person. It does help the reader to connect more closely with the character, but if you t- if you got something happening with her mother in another scene and she's not there, that doesn't work. Why did you decide to write The Blood Doesn't Find My Name in first person? Why did you decide to take take to present the story uh, from from that narrative? Well, um, I think the blood done time my name had to be written in first person because you had to understand Honey. You had to un- you had to understand her. You had to be in her head and you had to be in her heart. And if you weren't there, you would not fully fully understand the depths of her pain or the depths of her insecurity. And that it just wouldn't work. Um, and I that's that's why I wrote it that way, and I, I don't I don't I find that first person is easier for me to write than mm. writing third person. I think third person is a challenge for me. As a matter of fact, the, the book I'm writing about writing now is the shift is in third person, and it's it's difficult for me. It's it's a challenge for me to write in third person, but um, in first person, it, you, I had to do it. I had to be able to. Everything had to come from her perspective. Everything had to come from her perspective because that she was she was the core of the story, and so many women have dealt with the issues that Honey Lamb dealt with. 
have felt the way that Honey Lamb felt, had to fight the way that Honey Lamb had to fight and had to release and relent to Jesus Christ like Honey Lamb relented. And only can only the reader can only understand and only truly, truly feel and get insight if you were writing in first person. That's why I yeah. had to write in first person. Yeah, some people, some writers do write first person, and they do it very, very well. So, again, you you definitely are going to get close to the character, and you'll see it, I mean, within a matter of paragraphs, the difference between first person and third person. Um, mm-hmm. But, again, you're limited. to You can only write about what the that character is thinking, has experienced. You can't write about something that's going on across town if the character is not there. So but it does make 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 the reader uh uh definitely closer. And you do feel closer to the to the story in a in in uh first person, but again it's somewhat limited. Uh but if 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 the character is compelling enough, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, yes. And and there are writers who do write predominantly almost only in first person. Can you tell us about some of the other major and minor characters who help move the blood done sign my name for. Who are some of the other characters our off the shelf listeners will will learn about or meet if they read the blood done sign my name? Um, you'll learn about of course you mentioned Miss Sadie who was a very, very uh she was a pivotal character. She was very, very important to the story. Um also you'll meet Sammy, uh, who is um an awesome, awesome character, um who she meets uh when she decides to accompany Miss Sadie back down to Alabama. Um, you'll also meet her mother, who is also a very, 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 very uh, important character in the book. And these, every every character in the book has, has a story of their own. They have a story of their own. And you hear them, you hear them tell their story, and you understand their story as well. And just because you're writing in first person, because you're telling it from the person's point of view, you can also allow the person, another another character, to tell their story, and 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 that could be also received as well. So, a lot of the characters are able to share their stories. Yes, you receive um, honey, uh, you know, reaction to the story, but you can also understand the actual story being told by the other characters. So, yeah, there are a lot of characters in, in the book that um that are quite interesting, and also. As they are threaded together and they're weaved together into the entire fabric of the blood done sign my name, everyone that reads it is blessed. Okay. Now, do you believe that people carry blessings and challenges? I've heard people talk about generational curses. I just think it's things that when you study the brain that we've learned from just observation. If if my parents spoke Spanish, I'd speak Spanish. <laughs> That's just that simple. It's just things you learn from observation, or do you believe that there's really a curse, so to speak, uh, placed on a, a, a family? Do you believe in, you know, these blessings? You know, I think it's just from what you learn. A, a, a wealthy person's child is probably going to be have money themselves. But do you believe that people carry blessings and challenges from generation to generation in families? And then what makes you think that? I believe that people carry challenges and people carry um, um, uh, behaviors, and um, yeah, I do believe that it can be it can be passed down to generation to generation. I do believe that, um, and what makes me believe it because the Bible tells me it, that's what it, that's what happens. Um, 
it, it's visited on the third and fourth generation. So whatever the sins of the father is visited on the third and fourth generation or, or, or the second or third, or it's passed down until you say, and this is the crux of my story, until you say no more, no more. Jesus Christ resolved it. Jesus Christ absolved it. No longer do I have to be a victim of, of a molestation like my mother was or like her mother was. No longer do I have to be um, uh, have sicknesses like my mother did or my father did because they say, Sickness goes from, okay, you had you have high blood pressure. Oh, well, let me check your family history. Oh, your mother has it. Oh, your dad has it. But no longer do you have to deal with those generational tendencies or issues or behaviors because your generation, your DNA, as a result of Jesus Christ's blood, has changed it. You received a spiritual blood transfusion, and as a result, you are new. You are a new creature, and all things are new for you. So your children don't have to deal with the stuff that your, grandpa, your grandmother dealt with. They, they, they are new because you're new. And as mm-hmm. long as you do that in them, as long as you teach them who they are in Jesus Christ, they don't have to, be, have to deal with that craziness. So that's why I believe it, and that's why I wrote about it. Now, what do you hope readers will gain from reading the blood that's sign my name? What do you want readers to walk away from after they finish reading the book? I want people to understand God's love. I want people to really, really embrace God's love, God's love once they read this novel. Um, regardless of who you are, what your family lineage looks like, what you've done, what has been done to you, the blood of Jesus can make you a new creature because of its power. God loves us so much. He loves us so much that he sacrificed his son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth, to die a most horrendous death, just so that we can be set free of anything that keeps us from being who Jesus Christ ordained and sanctioned us to be before the beginning of time. Any sin, past, present, and future has been eradicated. We have been absolved and even justified because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We no longer have to walk in bondage. We are no longer captives of our past, of our parents' past, of anything that has been done to us. We are free, and a new life is available. Just like Honey Lamb, of her past, her, her crazy family, her molestation, the bad decisions, and all the types of things that she had to come to understand happened to her parents, a new life for her was available to her. All she had to do was believe and accept Jesus Christ. And throughout the book, I give... Scripture upon scripture, I give, you know, just various different stories of each character, how they were emancipated because of Jesus Christ. And you have to believe. It's just not going to come because you say, okay, I'm a new person. No, you have to believe in what the Bible says. And when you believe and when you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you can move into the newness of who God has created you to be. Yeah, which shows, again, the the power of the mind, you know, the renewing of the mind. That's where faith is, in the mind. So uh, anything, the mind is extremely powerful. It is extremely powerful. It says unless you renew your mind, you can't put old wine in new wineskins. And you can't put old thinking into new situations. The mind, the mind, the mind. The Bible says renew your mind. It's a process. People can, you can confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Okay, you are saved. But now comes the conversion. Now you have to lay aside every dead weight. You have to stop that jacked up thinking and get into the new thinking and then renew your mind with the word of God. Because once you start thinking and believing and 
speaking and living the word of God, you become that exactly what God says you are, and then you are becoming that you are that new creature, and then you can't help but move forward. Mm-hmm. Now, how long did it take you to write The Blood Doesn't Sign My Name? And can Ooh, you tell yeah. us the process that you followed when you created the book? Did you use an outline? Did you do character sketches? Did you have your characters write ladders so you could you could fully uh, um, uh, um, yourself understand your characters? We've had authors who've come on and they've told me they just knew, they knew their characters. Some authors told me they wouldn't even write one sentence till they fully fully understood and grasped their character. Well, what process did you follow as you created uh, The Blood Didn't Sign My Name, and how long did it take you to write the book? Um, let's see. The process that I usually have, and it's, it's changing because the fourth, my fourth book is just, it's a totally different experience. Um, the process that I had for my first few books was I would – Jimmy, stop laughing. I know you're going to laugh, but it's okay. I usually get, I, when I take a shower, I'm thinking, okay, God, okay, because that's my quiet time. I'm in the shower. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to just stand and let the water hit me and just, Lord, you speak to me. Let me know what you want me to, to say. And he gives me the premise. And that's when I get my premise, and that's how I begin. That's when, that's when everything, that's when the wheels start turning. So when I sit down, I just start writing. I just start writing, and I just ask for a download. I'm like, Lord, you, the Holy Spirit, just give me something. Give me give me what you want me to write. I don't use an outline. I don't use a character sketch. I don't use anything like that. I just start writing. And and, and this confirms to me that it's not, just, it's not Melissa writing a story. It's the Holy Spirit writing a story. I'm just simply a vessel being used by him. So he gives me the story. I just begin to write. I just begin to write, and I just begin to hear him. And I think it's the most wonderful Time because I know that I'm in his presence. I know that he's talking to me, and I know that he has people that he has people that are going to read this book and are going to be impacted, and lives are going to be changed as a result because his word cannot go forth and not do what it's supposed to accomplish. It mm-hmm. will accomplish exactly what it said it's going to do. So that's my process. And okay. I, whatever, I just stop when I just when, it, when I just he just tells me to stop for now. I'm like, I sit back, I go back and read it. I'm like, okay, I'll leave it alone, and I'll come back to it later, and he'll give me more. It's like he tells me to go back and add this, or take this away, or she wouldn't say this, or she, you know, she wouldn't do this, or will her, will her eyes show this, or what are her eyes saying now, or what is he saying now, or Miss Sadie would not say it this way, she would say it that way. So it's a constant dialogue and also a constant dictation that I receive whenever I sit down and write. Yeah, I've had a lot of writers that, that that write that way. I know myself. I just sit down and start writing, and then I've had a lot of other writers that tell me they do the same thing. They just sit down and, and start writing. I wanted to ask you, what have readers been telling you about the blood done sign my name? What what type of feedback have you been getting from readers about the book? I have been getting nothing but positive uh, communication regarding the book, how the book is blessed, and how the how they saw themselves in the book, how. Um, they understand the plight of Honey Lamb, um, how the, the songs in the book uh, made them want to sing, how the sermon made them want to just start shouting. <laughs> the cry, the, 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 when they read certain parts of the book, they began to actually cry um, when reading the story. So it's been a lot of, um, a lot of, of positive and it's been a lot of emotional responses from the book. So that's why I know that like, the Word of God is so, so strong and so powerful. It is living. 
It is constantly moving, and it gets to the intent of the heart. And that's why it's so important that I put the Word of God in every book that I write because nothing can give you revelation like the Word of God. Yeah, I can write a nice story. It could be a nice story, but if you want to change people's lives, if you want to move them from one area to the next, if you want to meet them where they are and not preach at them but just meet them where they are and let the Lord speak to them, then you put in the Word of God because only then will they become new, they be, they'll become, they'll grow, and they read it. So a lot of people have said the book has really changed them. One person <laughs> was taking notes and had notes, like there were notes in the book about, you know, the various different things that were going on and the scriptures and how, it, how, they, how they saw it. And it was just, it's been a blessing. It's truly been a blessing. And I know this is it's a kingdom book. It's not an industry kind of book. It's a kingdom book because it's going to grow. It's going to augment the kingdom. And people are going to get to know who Jesus Christ is more so than ever before by reading the blood done sign my name. Wow. I'm, it's good. Congratulations on getting that positive feedback. It's always good as an author when when readers uh, connect with a, a character or a plot or something in the story into where it. And I think the the best books, they impact readers without the reader knowing it because the reader gets so into the heart of the story that they're yeah. just reading the story and they don't realize that it's also influencing their own lives. Now, you said right. you, you, you've written this on your fourth book. Tell us about your third book and the new book that you're writing on. Well, Awesome Wonder is my, book, my first book. The Sun is my second book. The Blood Done Sign My Name is my third book. And my fourth book that um, I'm writing is called The Shift. And the shift. it is The Shift, yes. Um, it's, Denise, when I say it's a different experience, girl, <laughs> it's a different experience because um, he, I'm getting a, a look at behind the scenes. I'm getting a look at behind um, the actual natural. I'm seeing the suit. I'm seeing the supernatural behind us. We all get to see exactly what the, the three-dimensional is. I think it's three-dimensional. But do we see what's going on in the spirit realm? Do we know what's being done in the spirit realm and how it's affecting what goes on in the natural? Because there is there's going to there's a shift that happens in the spiritual that comes into the natural that causes things to change, causes the atmosphere to change, causes people to react, and it is absolutely blowing my mind. So um, it's, it's, it's a family, it's about a family. Uh, uh, it's a blended family, but it's a family nonetheless, and uh, how they're dealing with various different different things. And it's, it's, it's surprising me as I write it. So I'm just, I'm just in awe of the Holy Spirit. I'm just in awe of what he wants me to share. And it's, people are not going to like me for it, <laughs> but you know what? It is not me writing. It's the Holy Spirit. So I just I give it to him. I give him the glory and I give him the honor because it's, it's him. It's truly him. Now, this is a story about two families then coming together, a couple that were, were divorced and they got remarried to different people. It's kind of like the Brady Bunch, but not, you know, no, the Brady Bunch. No. But. Yeah, no, it's not about it's not about that. It's about, a, a well, it's about a, a young lady, young lady, her mother. The young lady is about Zion is, is the main character of the book, Zion. Her mother, Veronica, who we call Ronnie, her, and Ronnie's mother, Zabora, who's married to Richard. Um, we have yet to meet um, Ronnie's husband, her ex-husband, and some other characters that are going to be coming in. But it's, it's, 
deep. It's really, really deep. <laughs> and I think about it, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Now, when will it be on the market just to whet our off-the-shelf listener appetite <laughs> so they would want to go out and get the book? Um, when will it be on the market? And you said it's really not like about two families so much coming together. Is there anything without giving it away you could tell our listeners so they would want to go get a copy of the book? Uh, uh, anything else about the shift, and I do. I love that title. I got to tell you, I love that title. Um, uh, can you tell us anything more about the book and when it will be available on the market? Um, preferably, since it's going to be available, hopefully around Christmas time. Oh, okay. Um, and it is everything that you see. I'll say this: everything that you see is not everything that's there. So, okay. if what you think you see is not everything that's going on. There's so many times people talk about, I felt something in the room or I felt something going on. Yeah, you felt something because maybe you're tapped into, some, tapped into what exactly is going on in, this, in the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is so, it has a lot to do with what happens and what's manifested in the natural. Absolutely. So yeah. what you think that you are visual, actually seeing with your eyes, your spiritual eyes will now be opened after reading the shift. I'll say that. Okay. Okay. So some 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 I won't say paranormal. I guess some people call it, refer to it that way. Experiences must happen. Things that people can't explain in the in the physical realm. In the book, the shift to some of the characters. That's my guess from what you're saying. And, and then it start people start to have more and more a deeper understanding. That's what I'm getting from the book. Uh, although you not haven't shared very much about it, I think you are. are Purposely keeping back information. I am. I am. I am. I only because I don't want to. I don't. I. I do want to wet their. Um. Their, I do want to wet their palate. I want them to go out and purchase it. But I want them to understand. It's not paranormal. It's. Not, I'm not going to say it's paranormal. I'm going to say it's what happens in the spiritual realm. What you think. What you. What you don't see, in the natural, something is going on in the spiritual. Spiritual things are impacting the natural, whether we believe it or not. And if we don't, but if you don't believe it, check out the Bible. Check mm-hmm. out what, what goes on. Check out whatever. Check it out because mm-hmm. I'm going to definitely have um, biblical backup and biblical. Of course, I'm going to import, input the Word of God. So it's really, really something that's really, really going to open the eyes of the believer and the non-believer. It is for both. It now is you, for both. You've now in '06. You got downsized. You were going to go back to the corporate world. You said you heard from the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. You and then you 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 were in communications. So you're still using that skill that you learned in college and in your corporate world. You're able to implement it even as a novelist. And you've written four books. And so the the um the first book was Awesome Wonders. Then the Sun. And then the blood doesn't sign my name and the shift. And these are all novels for our off-the-shelf listeners. What advice can you offer to our listeners who want to land a book publisher? Okay. What advice? What I can do, okay, I'll give you two pieces of advice. One will be, okay, industry. Make sure that you have your, you know, your book together. You have your proposal you have everything that you need to sell that book, to shop that book, to make sure that book is seen in its best light ever. No mistakes, no errors, um, and yet you believe in your book and that you believe in your your talent to write. 
Because if you don't believe in your talent, right, no matter how many rejections that you receive, you're going to stop and you're going to you're going to give up. So I would make sure that you put everything that you have into what you're doing and believe in your believe in yourself. Um, finding a publisher. Finding a publisher is is one was one of the the hardest things and one of the one things that almost made me stop, just totally just stop and say, okay, guys, this is not obviously I'm hearing you wrong because I can't find nobody to publish mm-hmm. this book. Um, you just have to keep plugging away. You have to keep plugging away and keep every for the person that says no, there's somebody that's going to say yes. Mm-hmm. Just keep believe in who you are. Rejection is necessary. rejection is part of the process. Um, yes, you will get rejection, but there'll be someone that says. Someone will say yes, and someone mm-hmm. will believe in your project. So just keep going, keep going. For a Christian writer, I can say this to you. He will not put you on this path for you to fail. You will be successful. God mm-hmm. is not ordained you to do what you're doing, to give you the words, to say what you're saying to someone, because he has someone in mind, numbers of people in mind, to read what you're writing. So believe that as you're writing and believe it when you're shopping your book, because God has someone in mind that's going to be blessed by your book, or now, either for Christian writers. Did you research the market before, or did you just go and make a mad splash sending out proposals, or did you research the market to find Christian book publishers, the type of publishers who publish books you write? Because some writers just take a mad splash and say, I'm just going to uh, hope that one, one of these hits. Or did you study the market and then... Uh, send your book out to certain types of book publishers. I studied the market uh, for my. No, I'm sorry, I apologize. I did not study the market um, for my first book, Awesome Wonder. I just wanted someone to publish it. Okay. I just wanted someone to publish my book, and I was like, okay, God, I have no money. Please send me someone who's going to publish my book for free. <laughs> uh-huh. That was my that was my goal. Um, my second book, The Sun. Um, I wanted it. I wanted a Christian publisher. I wanted someone who understood my yeah. vision, who wanted what I needed. And the market, and that market, yep. I think and I looked important. up, right, and I saw, um, I went in and I, went on and I wanted to see Christian fiction publishers, Christian publishers. So, I, my, you know, with my second and third book, I looked, and I really prayed about it, and I looked, and I looked, and I looked, and I found a publisher for my second book. And for my third book, I'm like, okay, God, I really need someone who understands exactly what, what I'm trying to say in this, not so much that they're a Christian publisher, but I want somebody to understand what I'm trying to say with this book, who understand exactly what this book is destined to do. And so she, um, the Holy Spirit sent me Shawnee Fenderson of Mayhouse Press and Publications. She's an awesome, awesome publisher, and um, I would encourage anyone who's looking to publish their book, who is a Christian fiction novelist or a Christian novelist, look her up. Shawnee Fenderson, she's on Facebook. She is an awesome, awesome publisher, and she reads the book and understands exactly what you're trying to communicate, what the Holy Spirit wants to say to people. She's not looking so much, okay, I want this book to sell. No, she wants people to be impacted by what you write. And that's the best kind of publisher that you can have. That's the way publishers used to be. And then and then a lot of major corporations who weren't even involved in the book publishing industry. I mean, it started like a lot of things. A, a lot of things start as a labor of love. And then a lot of companies, they see that this is, oh, you can make money out of this. And then you got oil companies and whatnot. A lot of people don't know that. They start buying book publishing houses. They leave the book 
publishing name there, so you don't know it's a big conglomerate behind it. Right. And then right. now the push is just money, money, money. But years ago, yeah, that's how, and there are still book publishers. It's not so much about how much you will sell, but how much how, do, does the publisher believe in the story? That's what right. it used to be years ago, but that has has certainly changed in the the the, the book industry. We we see what Barnes and Noble saying they might even close hundreds of stores and borders. It, it is changing, and then the yeah. internet's had a, had an impact. That said, we only have about eight minutes left. I want to ask you: Has the process of writing, because we have a lot of off the shelf listeners who want to be published authors themselves, has the process of writing, promoting, and selling books? been what you dreamed it would be like if not how is it different from what you imagined it would be it, it was it was definitely not <laughs> it's definitely not what i dreamed it would be like um it's definitely not what i dreamed but and, and you know what that was that was something i had to mature become more mature about um i had to understand that melissa this is not this is not and this is not the, the industry you're not writing for industry um Praise. You're not writing for industry, um, you know, acclaim. You're writing to bring people to Jesus Christ, and mm-hmm. I had to, and I had to finally understand that because there were times like, oh my God, I went, I go to a, a book signing, and maybe I only sold maybe five to ten books. I'm like, well, goodness gracious, what's going on here? What is wrong? And I was getting so caught up with how many books that I'm sell, that I would sell, rather than how many people and how many lives have turned their Christ over to Jesus, or how many people restored or reconciled their lives to Jesus as a result of something that I wrote. And I something was whispered in my spirit by the Holy Spirit. It was, this is kingdom, Melissa. This is not industry. This is kingdom. And it's, right. the success you're going to receive is kingdom success, not so much, much of industry success. I got you. You're going to have everything that you want, monetary, everything that you want, but this is something that you are called to do because of your love for me and my love for you. So you have got to understand the difference and stop being so concerned about how many books you sell but how many souls are saved. Mm-hmm. And when I got that wake-up call, that stopped me from being so consumed with myself and become more more consumed with who needs Jesus, who really, mm-hmm. whose heart cry is saying, God, I need you. I don't know how to go about you, but let me pick up this book and maybe I can get some direction. Mm-hmm. And that's why I so, so... I want to tell people if you're writing for God, don't expect it to be like um, people in a. Don't expect it to be like someone else that doesn't write for God. It's different because you have Jesus, and Jesus is going to take care of that. Your goal is to win souls. That's yeah, and, and and your book might take off. Like I forget who wrote the Purpose Driven Life, but I'm told that's one of the highest selling books in history. I forget the the minister who wrote that. There are a lot of Christian books that that sell in the millions. Uh, what's her name? I can't I can't remember her name, but I see her face. She's a minister, and I, I love to hear her preach. Joyce Meyer. Her books do well. There are, there are Christian authors. I mean, they sell in the hundreds of thousands, and some in the millions. So. It, it just depends, but I see what you're saying, and I'm glad you did say that. As a writer, I don't care what book you write, you whatever you do, if you're a painter, you want to see your work take off. Sometimes it doesn't take off to after you're gone, as it happened with, um, oh, I can't think of her name. She's a poet. They Now they have book conferences. Uh, 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 
I've been in the kitchen, in Sarah's kitchen, and licked all the pots clean. Zora Neale Hurst-Thurston, when she was writing, I heard she was almost penniless. But when she passed away, her a couple of years later, her books took off. There's an artist, a painter, who after he passed, now his artwork sells for like millions. He couldn't sell but three pieces. Wow. So so sometimes it's we don't see it like Moses didn't see it. Some you put in all that work. <laughs> Somebody else, one of your ancestors, will be collecting the checks. Sometimes that happens, you know. If you you don't know how it's going to go, sometimes one of your ancestors collects the checks on the work you did. And the scriptures talk about that. You didn't do the hard work. You're reaping the harvest, and somebody else did the work. For a lot of us, you know, we look at our ancestors coming out of slavery to Harriet Tubman's, et cetera, et cetera. They did that hard work. We're reaping the benefits. They didn't get to live this life we're living. They did that hard work, and we're reaping the benefits. Sometimes it goes that way. Um, but I think any artist wants their work to take off. I know at book festivals, you said five to ten books. I think that's average, actually. When it's happening to you, it doesn't feel that way, but I've been to a lot of festivals. <laughs> that is average, and if you start selling 50 and up, you really, really did awesomely well. But and some people go, and they don't sell anything. But uh, 5 to 10, I think that's – I would consider that, based on my experience, to be a good day. That's what I would consider to be a good day. Um, anything over that is really a, a going into a very good day, range like 50 or more books at an event. Uh, um, did you have, we only have three minutes left, any last <laughs> words of encouragement or advice you would like to leave with our off-the-shelf listeners today? Just um, Number one, just thank you for, Denise, thank you so much for this opportunity. I am just so blessed to just be able to have a conversation with you um, today. And I just wanted to thank you for just the time that you're taking to chat with me um, on today. Um, I'm just very, very, very grateful to you. Um to the off-the-shelf uh, off listeners, thank you so much for listening in. Um, my books are simply there to give God glory, to know that, let you know that there is victory in Jesus Christ. So it is my hope that you pick up my books, any of my books, Awesome Wonder, The Sun, The Blood Done Sign My Name, via my website, www.mazinmaryannricks.net, or you can go to any um, online uh, literary provider, and they'll be able to um, assist you in purchasing my novels. It's just been a blessing writing. I will continue to write for as long as God gives me the stories to write about, and I know his word is full of information that I can share. So I thank you for listening in, and God bless you. Uh, and I uh, thank you, Melissa. Can you give us, and I, I love how you're writing your books. It's it's such an authentic uh, spirit or, or intent in your writing, and I think readers would truly appreciate that. Can you give us your website URL one more time? Is it M and Ricks? Can you give us your your website URL one more time? Sure. It's uh, www.m as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, N as in Nancy, R as in Robert, I, C, K, S, dot net. Okay, so M net to our off-the-shelf listeners. net. Melissa Ann Ricks, the author of Awesome Wonders, The Sun, The Blood Done Sign My Name, and her new and fourth book, which she hopes to have out in December, is The Shift. Please go support her again, net, And you can also get her books, I'm sure, at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, et cetera. 
Just like with Love Pour For Me, if you don't see it on the bookshelves, you can ask the clerk for it, and I'm sure they can order a special copy of Melissa Ann's books for you. We want to thank Melissa for being here with us today and for sharing her awesome stories and novels with us. We want to encourage you to come back next Saturday. I'm also going to be doing an interview tomorrow at 7 o'clock on the Cypher's Den on Blog Talk Radio. For those of you, please tune in tomorrow where I'll be discussing my books. But for Off the Shelf, we're here every Saturday, 11 o'clock in the morning, where we'll continue to bring you awesome writers, publishers, publicists, editors, and other movers and shakers in the book publishing world. As I always tell you, you are so awesome so often we forget that you are amazing you are incredible go out and create a fabulous day for yourself melissa i'll shoot you an email bye for now bye-bye